don't take anyone's method of analyzing a deal at face value. I think it's very important to understand how a deal is structured, how money is made from all angles of business. And I said this a little bit earlier, but also understanding the true expense in your submarket because this is what gives you that. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with them to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, He's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there, and we've built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, But besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Josh Welch, how you doing, Josh? Hey, doing good, Joe. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Josh. He's the co-founder and owner of Three Pillars Capital Group. He focuses on the acquisition and management of Class B and C properties. He and his team have acquired approximately more than $10 million in assets in just over 12 months, and he's based in Houston, Texas. So with that being said, Josh, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. So like you said, we we focus on class B and C assets in Houston. I started out my investing career 
in single family rentals, like a lot of folks have at the time I was working a full-time job in engineering. And then I kind of got the real estate bug and I bought a second one, but I quickly realized that the path to scale, which is what I wanted to do, was not going to be done with, with single families. And I know there's guys out there who made it and, and done it, but I looked at a couple of bills that my property managers were charging me and, and I realized that, holy cow, I'm getting charged 200 bucks to fix a toilet handle. It's insane. And I networked with some other guys that were in the apartment business at the time. And I remember thinking, these guys have made, they're, they're scaling, they can bring their expenses down. And I knew that was the path for me. So as soon as that light bulb went off in my head, I knew that multifamily was the way to go. And I never looked back. I've been doing it ever since. And now we're about 10 to 11 million in assets and growing. And that light bulb went off in your head approximately 12 months ago? No, it took a while to put the pieces in place. Like a lot of folks had to do a lot of researching and digging in and understanding how I really wanted to structure the business. Because I knew that if I was going to do it, I was going to do 100%. It wasn't going to be a hobby. It wasn't going to be some pastime endeavor. So I really took a lot of time. So I would say in crafting the idea, the brainchild idea, you started probably two or three years ago. Okay, got it. And were you full-time in engineering during then? Yes, I was full-time. I definitely saved up quite a bit so that I could make the leap. I know a lot of guys that started this business and they, they maintain full-time jobs. Many of them have been guests on your show. I listened in and I applaud them, but I knew that if I really wanted to get in this in a real way, I had to save up first and then jump ahead in and just, just get after it. What type of engineer were you or are you? Electrical engineering by trade. Got it. So you were doing single family homes and by saying you started in single family rentals, what type of single family investing were you doing? They were mostly just buy and hold. There wasn't a ton of rehab component to them at the time I was in Florida. Market conditions were definitely on our side. You know, it was 2010 to 12 time frame. So you asset price pretty low. So I could scale on my own equity and whatnot pretty easily. But yeah, they were just kind of acquisitions. They would maintain them, fix them up as needed, but there wasn't any significant rehab. And once you decided, okay, I'm going to focus on multifamily, what were some of the things that you put in place that you did during those couple years that prepared you to start doing it full-time in the business? First of all, I think the biggest thing was setting a plan and a vision. I don't think you can really get anywhere in life in any big way unless you really set a plan and a goal for yourself. So I did that. And that was the first thing. I knew that I wanted to be in this full-time out of not having the side gig. And I wanted to do that by 2017. I remember at the time thinking that it was going to take me a year to really understand it, figure it out, network, put the pieces in place so that I would be fully prepared to either do my own deal or partner on somebody else's deal mm -hmm. to really start to learn things. Having a plan and a vision, knowing what you're going to do. So the period of time that you said it, it took you from light bulb moment to you start acquiring deals, that's a couple years. So what are some of the tactics that you did to put into motion you being ready to do your first deal? I think I'll really lean on the fact that I partnered on some other deals. I did a deal with some guys in Boston when I was first starting out. They were more into the high-end condo conversion stuff. They had a few smaller multifamily buildings. And I just really knew that I'd been analyzing spreadsheets and learning how to underwrite deals for a long time. And I'm like, okay, I've got to figure this thing out from the ground. And that's why I'm so big with my partners and people who do my deals with me is that, look, the best way you're going to learn about this business and learn how to do a deal is to actually do a deal. At some point, you have to trade off the knowledge and get your feet wet. And so I did that. And that was the biggest thing for me. And that took a while, right? So I took a year really to kind of just invest my own capital in other people's deals and learn how they do it. So I would be better prepared to then not only speak to that experience, but then know how to structure my own deals when that time came. And it sounds like you're passively investing in deals? Well, when I was starting out, yeah. When you, no, 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 yeah, I know. I know. When you were starting out, what did you learn from passively investing deals that now you've applied to being a GP on larger deals? 
That's a really good question. I think the biggest thing is that you can't take anyone's method of analyzing a deal at face value. I think understanding the true nuances of how a deal is structured, how money is made, a multifamily deal from all angles, and then making it your own. I think that's really what separates the people who can jump out on their own and start doing their own deals versus those who don't. I would always take a couple deals that I did. I would look at what they were offering. I would first of all figure out what my contribution was going to be, but then I would really make sure the deal made sense. Like if I was going to run the deal, like, okay, the numbers that they're saying here, why is that true? Okay, they're, they're going to get this type of loan. What about this kind of loan? Really thinking about from all angles to make sure that it made sense to me that if I were going to run it, I know I could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And when looking at deals based on when you're looking at both as a limited partner passively investing and now as a general partner leading the charge, what are some of the nuances of analyzing a deal that perhaps some people who aren't as experienced might overlook? I would say one of the biggest things that I've noticed is not really knowing what your competition is doing. I think a lot of people fall into this idea that there's certain buckets that line items are supposed to become on like a T12. And if it doesn't fit that, then, oh no, you know, this deal's bad. It's not going to work. But maybe for that sub-market, that expense isn't too out of line, or maybe it's bloated, but you're not going to know that unless you know what your competitors are doing. So one thing that we do for every new acquisition, and I'll do this myself still, is we'll go and secret shop all the competitors in the area. So if I'm looking at a deal and I'm saying, hey, I'm going to pay this much per door, this is the teach well I have from the seller, is that really accurate? Is that reality? And the only way you're going to know that is by going to competitors and seeing what are they getting? What rents are they charging? What amenities have they done in their units to get those rents? And you can kind of really quickly figure out where you stand. So that's kind of one of the biggest nuances that I noticed when jumping into my leading the own deal is whether or not you have investors involved in the deal, the operation deal is on you. And it's your job as the general partner to make sure that, you know, everything that there is known, treating it like a business, really just treating it like you would treat any other business. You have to know every angle of it. When you secret shop a deal, to me, totally makes sense from an income standpoint, how you could kind of verify certain things. Are you able to pick up on anything from an expense standpoint? Yeah, those are obviously a little bit more tricky to come across that. I lean more on kind of all the vendors. And we interview tons of vendors all the time for all of our work. A lot of stuff we do in-house, but the big ticket items that we can't, we have contracts in place. But that took a lot of legwork to figure out what those rates were. And comparing those to T12s that we see, we can figure out in our market, okay, is this guy paying too much for an HVAC replacement versus what we would pay for it? So yeah, I would say the expenses are a little bit more tricky to come by, but you might even be able to get, if you're lucky and you got a good rapport with a property manager or your secret shopping, they might even tell you what they make. I'm not advocating to your listeners, go next door and be like, hey, how much do you make? But sometimes you have a good rapport and you're genuinely polite with them. They'll tell you what they make. And so that's kind of one way you can glean some insight. So now we're up to almost the present where we'll say 12 months ago at that point in time. Tell us about the first large deal. I totally jumped ahead into the conversation where what we're doing now about secret shopping and all that stuff. So if I'm going back to the first deal, it was probably where I learned most of my lessons. And there's always lessons that I'm learning and, and, and things that I'm taking away and improving the business. But I would say the biggest lesson that I learned is that the fear of the unknown is always going to be there, but you're never going to know what you don't know until you get started. So I know that sounds a little cliche, but there's tons of things that I never could have read in a book or I ever could have listened to on a YouTube video or whatever. There's just so many nuances to running your own deal that until you actually get your feet wet and you get started and you partner with somebody or you're starting your own deal, you're never going to know. So that first deal took a lot of elbow grease and we were newer in the business. And luckily I'd already had the experience of the single family stuff that I'd done and the other multifamily deals I'd partnered on that it wasn't as daunting, but sometimes it's apples and oranges, single family versus multifamily. There's a lot of things that you don't understand until you do one. 
that you just kind of have to take it in stride, really. So a lot of family and friend money in that first one, and, and we still actually own that. We're actually doing very well on that deal. Since we've taken over, we're 80 to 90% rents are higher than where they were, and the NOI is about 2.5x up from that. So we we definitely did pretty good on that one. It's kind of hard to replicate that same performance on all of our properties, but for that one, even though we're going for a base hit, we cut a home run. How'd you find that deal? That one was through a broker at the time. But the one thing about brokers is they're great to work with, but you really have to come to play. You show up, and this is maybe just speaking to your listeners here. If you're going to look for multifamily deals, realize that all these brokers, especially if you're new, they get tons of phone calls every day and communication. So if you're really going to get some of their time and have them give you one of their deals, you really have to have your stuff together. That means a business plan. That means a, a website. That means email. All that stuff is very important. Perception is reality. And I can't stress that enough. And that's what we did. We came in with a business plan. We were serious about it. We let them know from day one, hey, we really want to do this. We're not wasting your time. Give us a deal. And that, that's kind of how it played out. And we got one. We got a great one. And how much equity did you bring for that first deal? Uh, that deal was just over 200000 equity. Okay. How many units? It was a 14-unit deal. Okay. So you've scaled from there, clearly. <laughs> you've gone up a little bit. So that's a 14-unit. And then what was the next one? The next one we did was a 25-unit deal. And then basically right now we're in the camp where we're looking at stuff that's 50 to 100 units and higher. It's kind of a sweet spot that we're finding for ourselves right now. And that's been working pretty well for us. Wow. So what property comprises of the largest valuation when you mentioned 11 to 12 million in assets right now? How much is that property worth? I would say right around 5 million. It's the deal. We're actually closing on it this next week. (laughs) So that's a $5 million deal. So like I said, you know, our goal as a company is we want to do bigger and bigger deals each time. So the natural progression, as I just explained, kind of makes sense. Okay. And so the next one below that, how many units is that one? The 25 unit is the one below that one. Okay. What's the 25 unit? What was the business plan with that one? Just kind of get to our business plan. So we look at class C's value add. I know a lot of guys, that's the mantra. So we really look for that. We don't take anything that's super distressed, but basically if we see mismanagement from the operations, like that, we see a lot, a lot of times there's owners that have, it's a family thing and it's been in the family for a long time and they just don't want it anymore. Or maybe there's like a divorce. And so a lot of times these guys have taken their eyes off the ball and expenses get really bloated. Or maybe they're just really unsophisticated and you see T-12s in the back of a piece of paper, which I've actually seen quite a bit. <laughs> so we find these guys because a lot of times there's, there's a huge opportunity to kind of tighten the ship a little bit and treat them more like a business. And so we can come in there and not only upgrade the units that are typically very outdated, but we can also reduce a ton of the overhead and expenses. One of the properties that we did, we got the operating expense ratio from 54 to 36% since we've taken over. So we see these things where we can really tweak the, you know, turn the knobs pretty tight. Wow. Yeah. And with your engineering background, clearly that's a skill set that is directly applicable to value add investing. So you've got the $5 million deal you're closing next week. Early congrats on that. And the next largest you mentioned was a 25 unit. So your 25 unit plus your 14 unit plus what else equals approximately $6 million worth of property? All of those are total at 81 units. Uh-huh. So if you add property that we have next week, that'll put us at 121. So 121 units is basically, if you apprise all that together, that's how we get to that number. Wow. 121 units, $11 million. So you've got the 25 unit property. When's the projected exit on that one? Remembering back, it was about 1.8 million. 
And again, that was on appraised value. We had a lot of, of renovations we were going to do. That was an example of a property where not only were the rents super under market, but there was just a ton of bloated expenses. It was a scenario where you had the maintenance person. I'm not sure if you ever run into this before, Joe, but yeah, the maintenance guy was also the leasing person and the property manager mm-hmm. all in one. And the owner actually was never on site. They lived in a different country. So there was just a ton of just bloated everything. And we were able to go in there. We've gotten rents up from average at the time was right around 550. And now we're at getting rents that are like 695 for one bedroom. So we definitely hit our targets. Our target was, I think, 675 to 680. We're at 695 now. So we're superseding our targets on that one. And that leads, of course, the NOI equation. It's pretty simple, right? You increase your top line, you reduce your expenses, you get a higher NOI. So because of we were able to turn the knobs on both ends, we're able to get a really high NOI and, and hence the higher valuation. What year of construction are the properties? What are the range in? Usually the 60s, the 70s construction is what we go for. Here okay. in Houston, I know every market has a different kind of idea of what Class C is. But typically what we see is the 60s or 70s. So 121 units, $11 million valuation. That's $91,000 a unit. That's incredible. The units are $91,000 in valuation. I assume that's now that you've done your value add, now they're $91,000 a unit? Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to confuse anyone here. This is after we've done all of the work. And some of these projects take months at a time. I'm sure you're probably aware, but when we do a renovation project, just so everybody's aware, you know, it's not like you just empty out all the units. You have to do it over time as the units expire. There's cash flow you have to maintain, debt service to pay. And so we like to do it as the units turn. So our projects will typically take on the larger time frame, 24 months before we get all the units turned over. We have a very active, aggressive approach. Do you have a a benchmark for what you want to buy at from a 1960s, 1970s product? I want to buy it around this amount per unit, or do you think about it differently? We're very much NOI focused. So I know a lot of people kind of fall in the trap of, okay, price per door is this. And generally speaking, yes, there are ranges, but we look at it more from how is it performing as business? Where's the opportunity? And if the if all the units are super updated and relative to the other assets in that class, then maybe we're willing to pay a higher price per door. But really, again, it all goes back to basics. What is the NOI? Where's the opportunity for growth? Can we increase the top line? Can we decrease the expenses? What do those knobs look like? Are they already turned to max? What's been the most challenging part of building your company? Oh, man, that's a really good question. There's been a lot of them. I would say not being patient enough to let things work themselves out in due time. I think jumping from point A to point C, like just really getting really excited about something and and growing it, kind of like walking before you can run. And I'm not saying that being super aggressive isn't warranted or admirable, but there's some things that you have to build and scale the right way and get, make sure that your operations are fine-tuned so that you can really have a stable platform to scale a really good and sizable portfolio. And we're doing those things. It's just sometimes I, I see where I want the company to be, and I wish we could be there tomorrow, but you also have to realize that some of these things take time as well. So I would say just being patient and, and going smartly and with a lot of poise. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say don't take anyone's method of analyzing a deal at face value. I think it's very important to understand how a deal is structured, how money is made from all angles of business. And I said this a little bit earlier, but also understanding the true expense in your submarket because this is what gives you an edge. I mean, knowing what your competition is doing, that's just treating it like a business. And, and again, just realizing that's what this is, that these are all businesses. You're buying many businesses and you have to understand how to analyze it yourself. And you can't take it for base value. What's your least favorite part of the syndication process? <laughs> 
least favorite part, I would say, obviously we syndicate all of our deals, but you have some people that really are super gung-ho and you want to sign them as a solid, hard commit the first time you talk to them. But you kind of have to play devil's advocate at all times and you have to assume, what if I've got commitments for X amount of capital of my rights? What if it doesn't come through? Do I have a backup plan? I think that's my least favorite part of it because you can't just take people's word for it, to be honest with you. What's your favorite part? Favorite part is when the deal is actually closed and I build great relationships and chemistry with all my partners involved and having them trust me from the first day that we met to the day that they send in the funds to the day that we close the field to then the day that they get their first check. I think that's my favorite part. It's so rewarding to send out that first check knowing that, hey, here's what we're doing. We're actually killing it and I want to thank you for being a part of it. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Go for it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. If you're syndicating deals, I recommend you check out the annual Raising Money Summit in Denver. The two-day event on November 17th and 18th is going to sell out, but you can get your ticket today and you'll save $100. Go to realbluespruce.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've recently read? Organize Your Mind, Organize Your Life by Hammerness. Best ever deal you've done? First multifamily property. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Mistake, not starting sooner, but in reality, overanalyzing to the point where I didn't take any action. I did this for a long, long time, and that's where I realized that I know enough time to get started. Either partner with somebody or do it yourself or don't do it at all. Well, you get a pass on that because of your engineering background. (laughs) (laughs) What's the best ever way you like to give back? We actually started a nonprofit here in Houston called World Will Be Better, and it serves to raise money for an elderly homeless shelter. There's a movement in Houston where there's a lot of elderly homeless, and there's an organization that was created to house these people. However, they're running out of housing for them, and so we started a cause to basically raise about $3 million to plan and construct a new facility for them so that they can continue to accept more people and and educate them and house them and clothe them to reintroduce them back into society. So we're really excited about that. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about your company? So they can go to our website, threepillarscapitalgroup.com. They can always email me too at joshw at threepillarscapitalgroup.com. And that's three all spelled out just for clarity. Josh, thanks so much for being on the show, talking about how you were doing the single family home route. You had the light bulb moment. You put a vision in place, started investing passively first, learned what you liked, what you didn't like and then applied those lessons to now doing syndications. You said 121 units over approximately 12 months, right? Yes. Yes, 121 units in approximately 12 months, just over a year. Congrats on that, and best of luck on the new acquisition, and I hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Joe. Thank you. If you're syndicating deals, I recommend you check out the annual Raising Money Summit in Denver. The two-day event on November 17th and 18th is going to sell out, but you can get your ticket today and you'll save $100. Go to realbluespruce.com forward slash best ever.